Pastor Saxton Odom here, so thankful that you have decided to join in to Wine on the Church of God's podcast today. We pray that this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and draws you closer to God. God bless you today is our prayer as you listen. Can we give Jesus a hand of praise today? Come on, how many are thankful he came and he died? Hallelujah, he lived. Hallelujah, so that we could live and had life ever abundantly. Praise God. As you're standing, if you'll grab your word with you this morning, had it not been for Jesus, hallelujah, we would be of most men miserable this morning. I don't know about you, but if he wouldn't have come and saved my life, There's a lot of places that I would be rather than church today, and I know you can testify to that as well. Exodus chapter 12, and we're going to begin at verse number 11. Today is not the typical Palm Sunday sermon. I was crafting one and getting it together, and the Lord stopped me, and He said, No, I don't want you to preach on the donkey. I don't want you to preach on the triumphal entry. I want you to preach on the blood today. And uh, so today I'm going to preach to you on the Passover, on the blood. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 11, and it says, And thus you shall eat it, or this is the way you're going to eat it, with a belt on your waist and sandals on your feet and a staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste or in a hurry, for it is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt will I execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood, everybody say the blood, shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over. Everybody say pass over. You And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting or eternal ordinance. This morning I want to preach to you on the topic of spared. Everybody say spared. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Will you slip up your hands toward heaven this morning? Father, I thank you, God, for your love in our lives. Lord, we thank you this morning for each and every person that is here. We thank you for the specialty of every day of worship, but this day of worship is that you are here and that we are here and that, God, you're going to do marvelous and wonderful things in our lives. You already have through the worship. God, you're going to do it through the Word today, and you're going to do it through your Spirit and by your power and by your might. And God, God, we pray for the anointing that makes preaching life-changing and practical. God, transform my words into the words of you. Let me not speak man's words, but God's words. And let us leave this place more thankful for what Jesus has done for us than ever before in our lives. And we give you praise for that. And everybody said, Amen. You can be seated today. God begins to speak to Moses in Exodus chapter 12 and begins to tell him how they are to begin to practice something that would begin to be known forever from that moment in time as the Passover and how they were to prepare it and how it was to be something that was thought over, how it was to be something that was meditated, something that was carefully and precisely taken out. See, I want to tell you today that Jesus, although we don't still uh, underline under those Old Testament guidelines necessarily, God 
God is still the same. Our Savior is still the same. Hebrews chapter 12 and 9 says that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He still doesn't want us to approach Him empty-handed. He still wants us to meditate, to prepare, to carefully and precisely plan out what we're going to bring before the Lord and what we're going to do about our lives. Can I tell you, that's why we gather together all the time, amen, and hear the word preached and examine and evaluate our lives because we must be prepared for our exit. If you've not ever, if you've if you've been driving before and you've never been prepared for the exit, what happens sometimes is it will sneak up on you, right? And have you ever been one? I'm not going to tell the police, okay? But have you ever been one that jumped the cement inclusion because you was about to miss the exit and realized it last minute? That doesn't have to be your case in spirituality. You can prepare for your exit today. And that's why we are here this morning. We are preparing for our exit. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 12 and 13 that the blood will be on the doorpost and it will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you are staying. And God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. What is Passover? Passover is a word in the Hebrew that is the word pasach, which means to pass over or to spare. Everybody say spare, which is where this sermon gets its title from today on spared. God was telling the Hebrew people as well as the Egyptians who listened to the Hebrews that if they would do as He commanded and if they would take an innocent lamb and they would take the blood of that spotless innocent lamb and they would smear it over their doorposts and over the sides and over the lintel of the house that whenever the death angel of judgment would come down that night, the last plague in the Egyptian series of plagues that would free the Israelites, that when the death angel would come down into the city that he would see the blood and he would spare that house from death. Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11 tells us that the life of everything is in the blood. I want you to remember that. So what is Passover? Leviticus chapter 23, 4 and 5 says, These are the feasts of the Lord, holy convocations which you will proclaim at their appointed times. On the 14th day of the 14th month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. Passover always falls on a full moon, the first full moon of spring. And so last night was that first full moon of spring. And so yesterday, as sunset at twilight, Passover began. And and this is something that has been observed throughout the time since Exodus. And I want you to take notice in some things that I found out. The biblical calendar begins a new day from sunset. Just as God did in creation in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 5, He said in the evening and morning were, were the first day. So we don't understand this because we are under the Gregorian calendar and it's already almost April in our calendar. But for the Israelites, for the Hebrews, today is the beginning of their new year. The first month of the year being the month of Nisan. And it goes all the way back to, to the time of Genesis chapter 1 and 5 in which God began the order of time and the order of creation in the evening and the morning were the first day. And so yesterday evening at twilight in the evening at 6 p.m. when the sunset began a new year in the calendar of God. 
And much we begin the time of Passover. Passover is commemorated with a supper. It is not just a one and done uh, opportunity. It's not just something that the Jews say, oh, well, it's Passover. It is something that they take to heart. It's something they prepare for. It's something that, as I said a while ago, was carefully and precisely planned out that they do not approach God empty-handed in this time of Passover. The Passover supper happens on the evening of the 14th of Nisan, and it allows Jews in every generation since the Exodus to participate and remember the miracle of God. God's redemption whenever He saved the enslaved Israelites. But for us, the Passover also promises the final redemption of the Messiah who will not just redeem the Israelites from this world, but He will redeem us as well. Hallelujah. All of those of us who have believed in Him and are saved in His salvation, Passover is the most significant of all feasts. For 3,500 years, Jews have gathered on the evening of Passover to commemorate what God did for them when He delivered them from their enemies of slavery in Egypt. And it is the longest continuing festival in the world. Why? Because God's involved in it. And because it is something that is so memorable, not just to the Israelites but to us as well, and we're going to talk about that this morning. It is memorable for the Israelites because there are six different times specifically where we find in the Old Testament where they celebrated Passover. The first time was an unofficial one when God made His covenant with Abraham regarding the promised land in Genesis chapter 15. The Jews called this the first unofficial Passover. Abraham had a deep sleep come on him is what you'll find in Genesis chapter 15 and he woke up and he saw uh, God's com- heard God's words and, and, and began to divide out a bird's breast and he laid it uh, side on this side and side on that side and whenever he woke up he saw a flame of fire going between the sacrifice that God had asked him to do and God made a covenant with Abraham at that moment in time but a deep sleep fell on Abraham and deep horror is what Genesis chapter 15 says came over Abraham great horror and great darkness and in this moment in time most Jews believe that God gave Abraham a glimpse of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ you see God was not just covenanting that moment in time with Abraham about Abraham and about his children but God was looking all the way down to where the covenant would be fulfilled in the man of Jesus Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, God has a plan. God had a plan and 430 years to the day, 430 years to the day, God brought the Jews out of Egypt to the day that He made the covenant with Israel. Do not think that God does not know what He is doing. Do not think that God is not aware of the things that you go through in your life. He's not aware of the plight that we are in in our nation. He's not aware of how our Christian response is calling out to Him, Maranatha, even so come Lord Jesus. And though He is aware, God has a plan in the midst of it all. And when Sister Annette and I were talking about some things last night, she said that, uh, I believe it was Brother Billy told her that God, we see the beginning, but God sees the end. 
We see the beginning. The Abraham saw the beginning, but he did not know that 430 years to the day, God would bring his chosen people, his lineage, his great nation, out of a land of bondage and into the wilderness. The second time was whenever the Exodus happened, the reading that we read this morning for Exodus 12, and they celebrated Passover on the 14th day of Nisan, and the death angel came and passed over. The third time was in Joshua chapter 5, whenever they finally went into the promised land. In Joshua 5, Joshua commanded that the males be circumcised and the Passover be observed after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Number four, the discovery of the book of law. In Second Chronicles chapter 34, Hilkiah the priest discovered the book of law that was written by Moses is why he was renovating the temple and King Josiah ordered the Passover to be kept. Number five, the dedication of the second temple. King Cyrus released the Jews to return to rebuild the second temple. After many years of difficulty and persecution, they completed it in 515 B.C. and dedicated it on what? The day of Passover. The 14th day of Nisan under the leadership of Ezra the prophet. But does it begin end in the Old Testament? No. Jesus Christ observed the Passover. And you probably have the picture in your house. It's a picture of Him and His disciples sitting at a long table. You got it. You've seen it. It's a picture of Him and His disciples sitting at a long table. We know it as the Last Supper. But what was it? They were celebrating the Passover. And in that moment in time, Jesus took bread and Jesus took wine. And He told them, boys, the whole reason you've been doing this for thousands of years is sitting before you now. The whole reason that, that Passover even happened in the first place, that a lamb's blood was put over the door and on the lentils, is because this lamb is sitting at this table with you now. And I will go to a cross and I will be murdered. This is my blood. This is my body. Drink in remembrance of me. Jesus knew, God knew what He was doing. Hallelujah. And so communion comes from Passover. Every communion is a form of Passover, and every Passover is the full version of communion. That's wonderful. We can celebrate about that. We can thank God that He has it all together. He has times together. He's the fulfiller of time. All of that is wonderful. I could preach on that for the rest of the time we have this morning, absolutely. But let's talk about what it means for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 7 and 8 says, Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump since you are truly unleavened. For indeed Christ, our Passover, everybody say our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I'm going to read that last part again, verse 8. Let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, or anger and bitterness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. In this passage of Scripture, Paul is instructing not just the Jewish Christians, but the Gentile Christians as well, to keep the Passover. But to do so, with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. 
As Christians today, we preach on the Passover, teach on it, keep it, observe it in communion, and we're going to talk about it tonight, not just for the purpose of fulfilling some law, not just for the purpose of even remembering what God did for the children of Israel when He brought them into Goshen, but for more importantly, what He did through His Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He is our Messiah, and He is our Passover. And through and by His blood, we are spared death, we are spared hell, we are spared condemnation, and we are spared judgment. Hallelujah. Can we give a hand of praise to our Passover lamb this morning? Six prophetic points that Passover means to us. Number one, it is a new beginning. Everybody say new beginning. Passover was so significant to the nation of Israel in that it was a new beginning for them out of 430 years of bondage. They left the land that they had known for generation after generation after generation. And whenever it happened, it flipped their calendar six months. So their calendar was going one way, but whenever God spoke and reinstituted it into the original way He deemed it to be in creation, the calendar reverted back six months and started in a new day. It was literally a new beginning. God commanded them to move their new year to that moment in time instead of where it was. Not only that, but it was also always on the first full moon of spring. The full moon represented the fullness of new beginning. It represented the fullness of new beginning. What was leaving behind was the old dead winter of Egypt and what they were embracing was the opportunity for new life. The opportunity for flowers to bloom in their lives. The opportunity for green leaves to grow back on the trees. It was the fullness of new beginning. And so if you need a new beginning today, you're in God's house in the right time at the right place. Not because you came to the best church around. I believe that. Hallelujah. Because we're here. Amen. But because Jesus is our new beginning. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb and you can have a fullness of new beginning in Him today. The Bible tells us that behold, the old is gone. The old has died. And behold, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus today. And if you have been lagging behind on just being held down by bondage or whatever it may be, there is an opportunity for a fresh and clean slate in your life today because Jesus died so that you could be spared and have the opportunity of new beginning. Number two, it represents the breaking of a negative cycle. It represents the breaking of a negative cycle. The children of Israel found themselves in a four-generation cycle of bondage. Now we don't know nothing about that because we, we don't know anything about slavery. Uh, some people, our ancestors might have given us stories and things, but we, we don't know anything about slavery. We've not been enslaved. But imagine 430 years, your mama was a slave, your grandmama was a slave, your great-grandmama was a slave, and possibly her mama was a slave and beaten 
day after day when you did not listen to the commandments of the Egyptians. No hope in sight. You did not, you did not leave like the Babylonian captivity ended after 70 or 80 years. You did not leave Egypt after 70 or 80 years. You, you hoped that God would deliver you, but you died and your children continued on in slavery. It was horrible. It happened for four generations. They were in a cycle of unending disparity and depravity, unending hopelessness. When will this stop? When will the newness begin? And some of you that are sitting on the sound of my voice can say, well, I'm not slaved, but I'm going through a negative cycle. See, God broke the negative cycle for the Egyptians through Passover, through the blood of the Lamb. And God wants to break any and every negative cycle in your life through the Passover and through the blood of the Lamb applied to your life. What are you talking about, preacher? Can I preach just for a moment? See, your mama may have been a drunk, and your daddy may have been a drunk, and your granddaddy may have been a drunk, and you've struggled with alcohol yourself. But through the blood of Jesus Christ... There is an opportunity for that negative cycle in your family to be broken. What about divorce? You may have divorced and your parents may have divorced and your ma- grandmama may have divorced and your children may be on the verge of divorce. But in Jesus and through the blood, there is an opportunity for that divorce to be broken. Hallelujah. For that negative cycle of divorce to be broken in the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Addiction. We can go on and on with any and everything that we suffer under and that we go through. We can go to depression. We can go to anxiety. We can go to any and everything in life. Have you ever heard of the term generational curses? Generational curses are real. Not in the fact that necessarily we don't have a free will to remove ourselves out from under them. But they're real in the fact that if you're not aware of what runs in your bloodline and ask Jesus to break it, then it will probably run in you too. You can see it in families. Again, you can see families that have had divorce for years. They won't break the negative cycle in the blood of Jesus. You can see families that have battled adultery for years they won't break the negative cycle you can see families that have battled depression and suicide and anxiety they won't break the negative cycle you can see families that are very religious and have a Jezebel spirit they won't break the cycle nobody's saying nothing to me there are cycles in life that God doesn't want us to continually be evolving and circulating in, and it running us, and it running our children, and it running our grandchildren. But He wants to break it in the power of the blood of of our Passover Lamb, whose name is Jesus Christ. You don't have to live in a cycle any longer. The Egyptians did not have to live in a cycle of bondage and slavery any longer. They were free in Jesus' name. And today you can be free in Jesus' name too. Hallelujah. It it can be the new beginning of a new cycle of freedom and liberty in your life. Number three. It represented God's timing. I've already talked about this a little bit. 
But men were to choose a lamb without spot or blemish for their house four days earlier on the tenth day of Nisan. Do you know what the tenth day of Nisan was thousands of years later? It was the day that Jesus told His disciples, go and find a donkey and a colt tied to a post. And I will ride into Jerusalem on that donkey and that colt on that day. And He mounted the donkey and He got on the donkey and people began to lay down palm branches. And they began to lay down their coats and they began to wave their palms and say, Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Son of David. What am I saying? I'm saying that God chose His Passover lamb on the Palm Sunday, of the first Palm Sunday of history, just as He did thousands of years ago in Exodus. God has it all. All worked out. God's timing is perfect. Hallelujah. Yeah, give him a hand clap of praise. God's timing is perfect. It's never too soon. It's never too late. God's timing is precise. He's got it all worked out. And if He had it all worked out for the Israelites, and if He had it all worked out for Jesus, that He came on the day in which the men would choose their lamb, and on the first Palm Sunday in history, Jesus rode in as the chosen Passover lamb, then He's got your life worked out too. Hallelujah. His timing is sure, and it's perfect, and it's present in your life and in mine. Number four. Redemption through and by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was famous for their shepherds and their sheep. Bethlehem was significant because it was the location where lambs for the temple sacrifice were raised. Think about it. Bethlehem was significant because it was where the location of the lambs for temple sacrifices were raised. And so when the Bethlehem shepherds spotted a firstborn male without spot or blemish, they immediately put it aside as the lamb to be used for Passover sacrifice in Jerusalem. This explains why shepherds were in the fields on the night Jesus was born, because it was lambing season. I'm just going to throw this microphone. God's got it all worked out. Because it was lambing season. They were waiting on a spotless lamb to be born for the time of Passover. But what they did not know until the angels came and told them was that there was a lamb that was born that night in a stable, in a place in Bethlehem because there was no room for his mom and daddy in the inn. And he would be the spotless blemishless Passover lamb set aside by God. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house today. Set aside by God for the sins of the whole world. And in that Passover lamb born in Bethlehem, in that lamb of God born in Bethlehem, he would spare mankind of the judgment that they were due if they would call upon the blood of the lamb. Hallelujah. This is also why he was greeted that night by the shepherds in his birth. They were confirming him as that lamb. They were confirming him as that lamb that had been set aside. Also, according to tradition, priests were charged with identifying and offering up the lamb for Passover in the temple. So after the shepherds 
would set it aside, the priests of the temple were in charge of looking it over and making sure that it was acceptable and making sure there was literally no spot or no blemish on that lamb. The Bible tells us that there was a man named Zechariah the priest that was the cousin-in-law to Mary, the mother of Jesus. And at the same time when Jesus was conceived, there was also a priest that was conceived whose name was John the Baptist. And John the Baptist would grow up to be the descendant of Aaron, the forerunner, and the greatest priest of all. Jesus Christ said of John his cousin, There is no man greater born among men than John. Why would Jesus say such a thing? Because John was identified as the priest tasked with the task of identifying the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Remember that he was there baptized them in the Jordan River and up walks Jesus and the greatest priest of all time the priest of the descendant line of Aaron looks up and he says behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. John was saying this is the Lamb this is the man He is the Savior. He is the King and in Him you have redemption through His blood Hallelujah Redemption by the blood of the Lamb. And then number five, that the plight and plagues of the world must pass over. Think about where we are right now. Passover means that the plight and plagues of the world must pass over. The hand of death must pass over the homes and the lives of those who put the blood on the doorpost of their homes. And the hand of death and the hand of the plague must pass over the homes and the lives of those who are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Now some of y'all think I'm talking about coronavirus right now, and I kind of am. <laughs> We're spared through that, through the blood of Jesus as well. But moreover, I'm talking about the plague of sin and the plight of death that it brings. Through the blood of the Lamb of Jesus on the doorpost of our heart, we are spared death. What are you talking about? I'm going to die one day, preacher. That's what the Bible tells me. Yeah, but the Bible tells you you don't have to participate in the second death. See, there's two deaths. The first one is physical. It's bodily. Your body is going to die. It's going to waste away. But Jesus said, fear the second because the second death there is no return from. Because the second death is the one of the lake of fire that burns with brimstone, what we call hell. It's a place of no return. It's the place where the worm does not shrivel up and die where nothing is ever brought back to life it's a place of continual weeping and gnashing of teeth a place of outer darkness and flame and fire and Jesus told us you don't have to endure that second death because of my blood hallelujah the plight of death can pass over your life and you can be with me in heaven for all of eternity but you've got to pick up the blood and you've got to apply it to your heart and you've got to apply it to your life. Plight and the plagues of the world must pass over. And then lastly, it's a memorial to our children. 
Exodus chapter 12 and 24 says, And you will observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. Paul said, New Testament, 1 Corinthians, that we as Christians are to take of the Passover feast as well. Why? Because we are to remember that Jesus is our Passover. And pass it, play on words, right? Pass it down. We aren't to just pass over, we're to pass it down. Pass it down to our kids as well and say, Jesus is not just my Passover, but He's your Passover. And He's your children's Passover. And He's your children's Passover. It was a memorial to the children of Israel that came out of Egypt forever. They've remembered it and kept it until this day. But Jesus is also a memorial to every sin-sick soul, to every soul on their way to a, with a first-class ticket to the portals of hell, to every soul that was given condemnation and judgment. It's a memorial to our children that you're not too far gone. Your life is not too messed up. Your past is not too ugly. Your present is not overcomable. But in the blood of Jesus Christ, my child, you too can be spared and you too can rise up. Hallelujah. It's a memorial to our children, to our babies. We were spared judgment because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 and 4 tells us that the blood of bulls and goats was not enough. Think about the gallons upon millions of gallons. Perry Stone did a study on it one time and he gave the number of millions of gallons of blood he estimated to have been used in sacrifice before Jesus. Think of the millions of gallons of blood that was spilled of animals that sufficed for a little bit. It sufficed for a year to the next year. But the blood of bulls and goats was not enough. There had to come a human spotless life, a sacrifice of death, and it did. That sacrifice was fulfilled in the man... Who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our true and only Passover Lamb. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 and 7 that we have redemption through His blood. His blood doesn't just save us. His blood purifies us. Hallelujah. Just as the blood of your body brings oxygen to your cells that helps to purify your body, so the blood of Jesus Christ brings life to us that purifies us. Just as the blood gets all of the toxins from the cells and from the organs in it and flushes it to your pancreas and your kidneys so the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all filthiness, wickedness, malice anger, envy and unrighteousness the blood gives us life and life more abundantly. How many are thankful for the blood? Hallelujah had it not been for the blood of Jesus where would we be? We wouldn't be spared we would have to endure that judgment and that pain. But in Jesus Christ, we have been spared. Sister Laverne, will you come to the piano?
Will you stand on your feet with me this morning? Hallelujah. I pray today you leave this house knowing and experiencing a lot of things. The love of God, number one. The love of Jesus and what He did for you. And understanding that God's got it all worked out. But also an understanding that today can be a new beginning for you. You may have been going to church for years and nobody knows the life that you're living right now. Nobody knows the facade you're hiding under. Nobody knows the mask you hide behind. Nobody knows the life. And you're tired of putting up a charade. You're tired of putting up a false image. Can I tell you, today's the day of new beginning. It literally is. Today's the day of Passover. And in the blood of Jesus, today's the day of new beginning. If you're tired of a life cycle that you can't break, if you're tired of it running in your family, let me be honest with you, I think I've told you this testimony before. My grandfather left my daddy and him when they were but boys. He left them behind, never to return again. They never heard from him or seen him after they were about eight and nine years old. To this day, they've tried to find him, never been able to. It's as if he vanished off the face of the planet. But his daddy did the same thing to him. And his daddy did the same thing to him. And it just ran in the family line, Sister Misty. Hopelessness for the family. Will my daddy run off too? And my daddy had two brother brothers. There was three boys that my grandmother had. And they got together and they said, guess what we're going to do? We may have had problems with this. We may have had problems with that. But we're not going to leave our wives and our children behind. And praise God to this day. All three of those men have been married to the same woman and father to the same babies. You know what they did? They broke the cycle. And you too can break whatever cycle it is in your life through the blood of Jesus Christ today. In fact, I feel a special anointing in the house today to break cycles in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I feel a special anointing in the house today to break bondages. I'm not talking about temporary ones. I'm talking about family bondages that have ran in the bloodline. I feel that power in Jesus' blood to break it today. He's here for you. And then lastly, if you've never called on His name as Savior, I know of no better day for you to be spared than today. The Bible tells us that if we do not enter through the door to heaven, who is the door? The door is Jesus Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father except through me. And if we do not know Jesus, you will not see heaven. As unpopular as it is today, I don't care who lies to you, this is the truth. You will not see heaven, you will endure hell. There is still a heaven to gain, and there's still a hell to shun. But it's only through Jesus that you shun it and escape it. And if that's you today and you want to make sure you're saved, I wouldn't walk out those doors today without making sure my life was spared death and judgment. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, God, I preach what you put on my heart. Lord, what you showed me in prayer and in study. 
God, I've done only what I can, which is minuscule. It's, it's minor. And Lord, I'm calling on you and on your spirit today to do the major and the mighty and the miraculous in our lives. Lord, we pray today if there's one under the sound of our voice that is not saved, that does not know Jesus as their Savior, that they would accept Him today, that they would gain heaven and shun hell, that they would be forever at home with Him in paradise and not have to endure judgment, pain, and damnation for all of eternity. God, I also pray, I feel the anointing of Your Spirit in this place today to break cycles, life cycles of negativity. God, I pray if there's one in the sound of our voice today, and I believe there's several, Lord, who needs a cycle broken in their life, that through Your Spirit and by the power of the blood of Jesus, it would happen today. Oh Lord, don't let them be shameful about it, but let them come for hope of being spared. And let us leave knowing Your love is greater than all our sin. In Jesus' name.